Welcome to Four Questions Four, the official podcast of Osgood Hall Law School, presenting great conversations about legal education, the profession, and the law. Today, leading Canadian labour lawyer Stephen Barrett, a partner with the Toronto law firm of Goldblatt Partners, and a 1984 graduate of Osgoode Hall Law School, has four questions for Osgoode Labour Law Professor Valerio De Stefano on the emerging issue of algorithmic management in the workplace, including a proposed Ontario law that could affect workers at some small and medium enterprises, or so-called SMEs. Now, here's Stephen Barrett. If you're working in certain jobs these days, the chances are your boss is watching you constantly. Your employer might be monitoring you electronically through a process called algorithmic management. There's a mouthful. Checking maybe how often you go to the bathroom or how long you take for lunch. With the rise in remote work during the COVID-19 pandemic, and the growth of the so-called gig economy, employee monitoring has become even more pervasive and controversial. And recently, the Ontario government introduced a proposed law related to algorithmic management. If it's passed, it could make Ontario the first province in Canada to legally require companies with 25 or more employees to tell them how and why they're being monitored. I have the pleasure today of speaking with Professor Valerio De Stefano, who's one of the world's foremost experts on this rapidly emerging issue. Professor De Stefano recently came to Osgoode from the University of Leuven in Belgium, where he taught in the Institute of Labor Law and the Faculty of Law. From 2014 to 2017, he worked for the International Labor Organization in Geneva, and in 2018, he received a grant totaling just over 1.2 million Canadian dollars to research the working conditions and labor protections for people who work for digital platform companies you're all familiar with, Uber, DoorDash, Instacart. He's also the author of several publications on the role of artificial intelligence and algorithm-enabled surveillance at the workplace. Welcome, Valerio, and thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with question one. Valerio, How would you explain algorithmic management? Never mind pronounce it. What is it exactly? Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me, Stephen. Algorithmic management is the use of technology uh, and algorithmic power technology, and in some cases also the use of uh, artificial intelligence. So we're speaking about, in some cases, um, very... Uh, sophisticated or wannabe sophisticated instruments, we're going to get to that in in a second, that monitor and track workers and basically substitute bosses, replace what supervisors normally do. Uh, Algorithms and software are used to direct people, uh, giving them instruction. And an, an, an example of that is, for instance, Amazon warehouses. In Amazon warehouses, uh, there is no um, discernible system of where the the items are stored. Uh, Any worker wears a bracelet or um, any sort of technological device that, through a GPS, drives them 
to the next item to collect. And in doing that, they also monitor how long do they take to take an item, how long do they need to um, bring it back to the baking station, uh, what do they do while they uh, move around the warehouse, if they stop talking with some colleagues, if they go to the bathroom. Uh, so basically you are directed and monitored all of the time through the use of GPS uh, enhanced device. But this is not just about blue collar work, um, especially with the rise of the pandemic, but uh, the pandemic should not be only the only scapegoat here. It was already uh, before uh, that these systems were in place. Uh, um, we see that remote work or office work is being constantly proctored by uh, supervisors through the use of algorithmic devices. These devices may collect how many keystrokes you give in a certain moment of time, in a certain spell of time. Uh, they can remotely connect to your webcam to see whether you are at your workstation or in your home where, where you are supposed to be to work. Uh, they browse, uh, they, they control your browsing data. They, they try to use the data of your browsing to understand whether, for instance, you're considering quitting your job or you're considering uh, becoming a parent and things like that. So trying to predict what you want to do in the future. Uh, there is a lot of, and, 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 and of use of this system. And of course, this has been skyrocketed during the pandemic because at, um, it, from one moment to the next, uh, bosses and managers were forced to leave people working from home, were forced to allow remote work, even in organizations where uh, this was never being planned. Okay, so one, from one day to the next, they had these teams that moved on and basically instead of redrawing the managerial lines and redrawing the organization of the firm, uh, for instance, transitioning from a time-based to a product-based, a result-based organization, uh, basically many firms went to buy or lease uh, these systems, these algorithmic management systems uh, that promised them to give them um, a view, uh, a very detailed view of what their workers were doing. So, this is something that skyrocketed to the, during, during the pandemic. Uh, there is application of this algorithm in management also in hiring and recruiting. It is, if you send a CV to a big organization, uh, there, are, there, there is the very high chance that your CV is first and foremost scanned by some algorithmic power device. And this algorithmic power device uh, scream through the, through, through the job profiles and streams through the CVs and only send to the interview stage um, the, the CV they like. And we will see that um, and how can that be problematic. The last thing that I want to mention is the use of technology to try and map emotions and mental states of people through the use of, um, of facial scanning, through the use of um, items that collect the tone of voice of people. But we, we will be getting there. Thanks, Valerio. I mean, some of this uh, reminds me of almost a hyped-up Fordist Taylor, um, uh, Taylorist business model, uh, almost on steroids. Um, which brings me to 
Question two. A lot of workers and labor unions seem worried about the rise of algorithmic management. Should they be? They should, and they should be even, even more worried than they are. Uh, some of these systems are extremely invasive. We are talking about badges that uh, record the conversation of people and track the tone of voice of people to understand whether somebody is nervous or uh, is having a mental breakdown uh, at the office, um, to understand what emotions you have when you speak with your supervisor or with other colleagues, um, to understand or try to detect whether you are lying during an interview or you are paying attention during a meeting. Now, most of these things, and this is another thing that is crucial to say, they shouldn't be allowed in the first place, even if they were reliable. But in most cases, they are incredibly unreliable. No neuroscientist would take seriously the uh, claim of a company that, can that says that through the facial scan um, of your face taken through a, a camera, you can detect the emotion of people. It's completely unsubstantiated. And still, there is a, there is a lot of snake oil out there. Uh, People buy or lease these systems without even knowing what they're bringing into the firm. So it's, this is a problem also for uh, employers, and we will be getting there. But uh, something that is particularly disturbing is also how much these algorithmic management systems, and particularly the ones that are using recruiting, are biased. They tend to be discriminatory in nature because they collect and mathematize and repurpose uh, and perpetuate existing biases in society. If your company has a non-diverse workforce, the most likely thing that will happen if you put one of these uh, systems in place is that this discriminatory uh, distribution will be perpetuated in the future because the algorithms can be extremely smart and extremely stupid at the same time. So for instance, you can tell them, we don't want to discriminate against women or we don't want to do this anymore, but the algorithms learn from the past. And if they saw that somebody um, who had many breaks in their career was not selected for a certain position, they will not select them for this position. They won't look at uh, whether somebody is a man or woman, but at the end of the day, if you, if you do that and you discriminate on the basis of breaking the career, you will discriminate against women. And if you look at the zip code, you will discriminate against minority in many cases. Or, I mean, there are many ways in which these discriminations that are already present in our society can be perpetuated by technology. Uh, so there is privacy concern, this is, there is discrimination concern, very importantly, these systems tend to also uh, be used to uh, union bust, for instance, by collecting data where people move in the warehouse and where basically if they talk and gather at times where they are not supposed to do that, people starting to get fired. We have seen that happening in certain places in North America. And also there are occupational health and safety challenges around this because if you are monitored all of the time, uh, if you are followed all of the time, you uh, develop forms of stress and this enhances psychosocial hazards that can be very dangerous for people. Uh, well, uh, just listening to you, it certainly sounds like this is something that could keep 
labor and employment lawyers busy for quite a while. And uh, something actually that one would hope uh, legislatures would intervene in to try to regulate. Um, now, as I understand it, Valerio, the uh, Ford government, the progressive conservative government, has introduced legislation that purports to do something uh, about this issue. Uh, that raises question three, which is, what do you think of Ontario's uh, proposed law, which would uh, require employers uh, uh, to tell employees that they're being monitored and how they're being monitored? Well, so first of all, this proposed law, uh, uh, again, will be the first of its kind in Canada. This is certainly positive. It's positive to shed light on these issues because if we don't talk about them, we cannot fix them. Um, the, um, the proposed legislation wants to enhance transparency by uh, basically forcing employers in firms uh, of more than 25 employees to give their employees uh, information about uh, how they are monitored, what, which data are collected, when they are collected, uh, and so to basically have a sort of transparency policy around this data collection. This is certainly positive. Transparency is always positive, but it's far from being enough. Uh, first of all, the legislation doesn't necessarily concern independent contractors, and we know that in many cases, independent contractors are as tracked and monitored as employees uh, for when they work for, comp for platform companies like Uber, DoorDash, and any of all of these platforms that classify them as independent contractors. Whether, whether they are real independent contractors or they are boggled self-employed is a completely different story. But if you don't cover independent contractor in the legislation, uh, you, you basically leave many loopholes that can be uh, easily exploited. The second concern is that it only applies to businesses uh, beyond uh, 25 employees. SMEs also put these systems into place and they are the ones, the SMEs, that most of the time don't know what they're buying or leasing. So they are the ones that perspectively can put into their organization systems that later will be discovered to be discriminatory, will be discovered to be illegal, and this will basically be a, a sort of clockwork device that can uh, trigger back against the businesses and the enterprises. You are not going to, give, to do a favor to SMEs if you leave them out of the scope of this or the legislation, and you certainly you're not going to protect the people working for these SMEs. The main concern, however, is that transparency here is not enough. It is not enough for me to telling you, you should, you, this is what we are going to monitor and when, and there it is. Some systems should be banned altogether. Collection of mental states, collection of emotional states should be banned altogether. There is no reason why you, can you cannot install a polygraph in your firm but you somehow can install some sort of facial scanning that magically tells what people think or what their emotions are. Um, also, transparency is not enough in the sense that you don't only have to be able to, uh, to, to know what is going on, but also to context, to obtain explanation of how certain algorithm-made decisions are taken. And also, very importantly, it is 
important to have a right to context to these decisions, to say no, to say, wait a second, this decision that was taken by an algorithm, it is actually wrong. Uh, it, it used wrong assumptions, it used wrong data. Now, and we go to the one, in my opinion, one of the biggest problem in, in, in this bill. There is no role for unions and regulators in the field in, the, in, in this bill. Uh, informing individual people is not enough. If you inform me of this thing, I'm barely able to switch on my phone. I don't know how algorithms work. I don't know what they can do. I don't know how uh, biased they can be. Uh, alone, a worker doesn't have the knowledge and expertise or time for the matters to context and to worry about all these things. This is why it is essential to involve collective actors, but also to, uh, to, to involve regulators and auditors in businesses where there is no uh, union in place. Well, that's exactly what I was, I was thinking as you were um, explaining, Valerio. It, 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 I was thinking that it, it's sort of as if instead of legislating minimum standards like minimum wage or uh, entitlement to vacation or termination pay, you simply are obligated to advise employees that you're not meeting minimum standards. It doesn't seem to me to offer very much protection. And there doesn't seem to be any formal role uh, in this legislation for unions or for collective bargaining, which I would have thought is critical to arresting and dealing with uh, these challenges. Um, but uh, given uh, that your legal background is primarily uh, in Europe, um, in Canada, we often think of European governments as being more progressive, more advanced in legislating protections, including in these areas. Um, in fact, as I understand it, uh, later this month, you're going to be part of a, a roundtable at a conference organized by the European Trade Union Institute on the topic of uh, collective bargaining and algorithmic management. So that brings us to our, our final question. Question four, are the EU... Uh, national European countries uh, or courts or tribunals in Europe doing a better job than uh, Canada or the United States or North American jurisdictions generally in protecting workers in a substantive way uh, from the risks of algorithmic management? Well, there is certainly more initiatives there are um, that are taking place at the moment uh, in Europe. Um, first of all, in 2018, the European Union adopted the General Data Protection Regulation, which um, basically protects in general in the field of data collection and also data collection in employment. It also has a an article uh, about uh, automated decision-making systems. So many of these algorithmic management systems will fall also into the scrutiny of this article. And this article has, has already been used in court in the Netherlands, in particular, where, where it has given, uh, I mean, the, 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 the Dutch courts have given some sort of mixed judgments, but certainly it's an instrument that workers have been using. In Italy, uh, um, there was the first uh, decision from a tribunal that decided that uh, a certain algorithmic management system was acting discriminatorily against workers. Um, so there is, I think, I would say, 
more attention to this, both from courts and the lawmakers. Um, the European Commission has just proposed two critical uh, pieces of legislation to address some of these issues. The first one is the EU Directive on Platform Work. So again, it's going to regulate um, the job of people that work for Uber or DoorDash or uh, Instacart and things like that. Um, it has a chapter on employment status, but importantly for our discussion, it also has a chapter on algorithmic management. And what this EU directive wants to give is exactly a much bigger role for unions in this process. Much more information should flow directly to them. It should flow to workers, but it should also flow to unions. And unions will have a say in what systems um, can be implemented at the workplace. Um, it is still as not, not as protective as some of the national legislation concerning technology of work and monitoring of work. So probably there's something to, um, to get better also in this, um, in this directive. But certainly it is much more protective than what the proposed bill here in Ontario uh, is, particularly also because it bans the collection of certain kind of data and the processing of certain kind of data by this algorithmic management system. And again, this mental and emotional state uh, monitoring and supervision is uh, explicitly banned. Data around uh, occupational health and safety and, and, and health of people um, can only be processed for the safety of people. So there's much more attention to that, uh, to, to that dimension. What is strange, and uh, here comes the, the issues with the EU, what is strange is that this proposal, this directive, and this algorithmic management uh, protection only applies to platform workers. There is another big draft regulation on artificial intelligence more at large uh, that will apply to workers outside the platform sector. And this is much less protective. It doesn't provide for the moment for the role of unions. It doesn't ban the collection of data that can be extremely dangerous. Uh, it has some sort of wishful thinking about uh, uh, data collection and, and the application of algorithmic management uh, not being discriminatory. So if you put it in the law, then you uh, without discrimination is basically as if I, I wanted to say it must not it, it must not snow and I put it in the law and I think that it will not snow. So um, the, uh, the draft AI regulation on AI, um, it's much less protective than the platform work directive. There is hope that uh, this protection will be basically matched at least to the level of the directive. Uh, of course, improvements can always be made, but certainly the role of unions, the role of auditors, the role of regulators is gonna be essential in this field. And again, is first of all, it is pr to protect individual workers, to protect from invasive surveillance, to protect their privacy, to protect their mental status, and to avoid excessive stress, to try to root out discrimination and try not to perpetuate with algorithms uh, under the, assum the assumption that somehow algorithms should magically get rid us of discrimination, which has proved completely wrong so far. Um, there's certainly much more that can be done. Again, transparency is a very good thing, but it's not enough. Just informing me that you are monitoring me all of the time and monitoring any kind of things that I do is not enough. I may know it and I will not like it most of the time, 
but I won't be able to do anything if it's only about transparency. So this is not enough. Yeah, you know, uh, Valerio, if you're uh, if you're looking for work, I'm pretty sure that many of my union clients uh, would be really uh, happy to get your advice and in an effort to try to get whether it's the Ford government or maybe a successor government to to change the law to actually provide some substantive protections in this area to workers and to encourage and uh, facilitate collective bargaining. Um, you know, ironically, as I think about this, the Whereas they're saying in Europe, the legislation's aimed at gig workers so far. The protections have been aimed at, at gig workers. In Ontario, the Ford government hasn't even accepted that gig workers are employees. So it's not even, arguably, it's not even touching uh, protections for them. Anyway, thank you very much. Uh, I've learned an awful lot from this uh, the, uh, about a topic I knew very little about and um, um, looking forward to your future work in this area. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. You've been listening to Four Questions Four by Osgood Hall Law School. We hope you'll join us again next time.